Hello and welcome back to the What Folk Sunderland Review Show. It was a cracking game for the neutral, as I said on Sky Sports, but for us Sunderland fans, it was a tough on the heart, that 3-3 draw with Wickham. We've got a jam-packed show for you today with, at the moment, four guests, potentially five, if Dave feels like joining a little bit later on. He might, he might not. Um, but the good news is not one of the guests today lost to a League One team this weekend, um, so you're in safe hands. Um, in the red and white corner, we've got regular Brad Sharp. Brad, how are you doing? Are you all right? I'm good, mate. Thank you. He's been gone ages. Used to be a proper regular, but I'm glad he's back. Jack Shields. Jack, how are you doing? Are you all right? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Good looking forward to a big crack about the Sunday game today. I was going to say, you sounded surprised there. Like, I'm actually not bad. Getting back. Good. Good, mate. Good. And, and last but not least, it's been a little while since we've had an opposition fan on for the review. Um, that's probably my fault, to be fair. But welcome back to the show, Johnny King from The Wonder. Johnny, uh, obviously different, different colour today, but how are you feeling in the aftermath of the game? Yeah, not too bad. I've just about recovered. Um, yeah. Yeah, hell of a game. I don't think my heart can take much more of that, but yeah, great great game. Yeah, I mean, it was a fab game, but I've got to be honest, I would have took a boring 1-0. I would have took that first two minutes goal and that would have been fine. And I did say you might join us. He has done. Dave, how are you feeling? Are you all right? Yeah, not bad, mate. Thanks, yourself? Yeah, we've all just pretty much said the same thing. We're just kind of calming down um from what was a bit of a mental game. A good, good game for the neutral, as they kept saying on Sky Sports. Don't think it was... Got on anyone's heart here, though. Jack, I'm, I'm going to come to you first. Obviously, we'll, we'll go around a few of us because um, we have got a full house today, but we're talking about three, four hours after the match is finished. How are you feeling in the, the aftermath of the match? Yeah, I don't think it was a bad point um, overall, Graham, to be honest. I thought uh, Wickham, we've had a bit of trouble playing Wickham in the past. They've beaten us a couple of times down there and they've taken a point at the stadium like now and again, so... I think it was always going to be a tight game. It was never going to be a game where either team were going to win three or four nil. Um, I think before the game, would they have taken a point? Probably. Obviously, going into injury time, I know it was a lot of lengthy injury time when we three to up and you've got you're in a winning position. Yeah, you're always disappointed, regardless of who it is you're playing and your circumstances. If you don't don't see the game out, a little bit disappointing. But overall, I thought we can a good value for a point. I thought they had the better of the first half. They were the team that got the ball down, played better football. Um, and I thought second half, we came back strongly. Um, last 20 minutes, I think we were much the better team. We were the team that had the energy. Wickham looked a bit dead on the feet. Um, and unfortunately, it's a set piece that's they've, um, they've managed to get a point. But I think Wickham have done it quite a few times. The same to score quite a lot of late goals. And it's, I think it's a symbol of the never-say-die attitude, which unfortunately is fitting us on the backside today. Funny how you said he would have taken a point. I said that in the preview show, so I can't deny that I said that to Johnny previously, but because I definitely did. However, if you'd asked me that same question two minutes after, I was like, massive, massive two points drop, um, which is, it's a, it's a funny world being a football fan, I think. Um, Dave, I'll throw the next question at you next because you surprisingly came on. Um, same question to you as I, I passed to Jack. How, how are you feeling in the aftermath? Yeah, um, I'm quite happy with it, to be honest. I mean, yeah, I suppose... You've you've got a, I'm sure Johnson will uh, will passively put it across that you've got to see games out with 90 seconds left, which is a fair comment. But they're young, they're learning. Um, nice to see. Yeah, we we looked as though we'd score every time we went forward. If I'm honest, um, so that's that's good. And we hey, we've said all season we will concede goals because of the way we play football. We will concede goals. It's as simple as that. Um, and to be honest, on another day, I'm probably not exaggerating by saying we would have had six. 
like genuinely. I think Jacobson's one off the line um, off Stewart's header. Uh, people like, honestly, Lyndon Gooch frustrates the life out of me because if ever there's a decision to make, he makes the fucking wrong one. He's a pain in the arse. Like, if he wasn't a born and bred Macam slash American slash whatever the freaking hell he is, then I'd be, <laughs> like, really pissed off. But, yeah, we'll forgive him. But, yeah, I, th- I think... Yeah, it's one of them. Listen, I think there's more positives to take than negatives. You know, we we were missing Bailey Wright the day, which I think from them set pieces, especially the way he's been playing for the last month, I think he's probably been a big miss. And listen, it was always going to be Wickham's plan. Always going to be Wickham's plan to bully us from set pieces. And hey, fair play to them. They stuck to their game plan and it is what it is. There we are. Which is life, isn't it? Um, Johnny, I've really missed having the, the opposition viewpoint. I've got to be honest, I wish you hadn't scored at the end and I would have been even more excited to have you on. But nonetheless, it's always interesting to see the opposite uh, view of the game because we all hear every Sunderland fan's impact of the game on, on social media. But from a Wickham perspective and, and you in specific, how's the uh, reaction after the game? Um, yeah, I think relief more than anything. Uh, yeah, I mean, first of all, an amazing game. And I think, you know, both... Both sides deserve a lot of credit for how they played, and and, and I think particularly Sunderland, with you know, given the amount of uh, inexperienced young players you had to put in your side today, for them to go out and play like that in a high-pressure game, fantastic and and, and great to watch. Um, it was one of them where let's get the cliches out of the way early. Like it, either side could have nicked it, but but neither side deserved to lose either. So I think it was one of them where. Draw's absolutely a fair result. I think we maybe shaded the first half. Um, and like yeah, like Jack was saying, then it, Sunderland came into it more and more as the second half went on. And Boss, you know, the last 20 minutes or so was really uncomfortable viewing from a Wiccan perspective. And then when I felt like your third goal was coming and when it came, I thought, oh, that's it. And I mean, I've been watching Wickham long enough to know that we, we always keep going till the end and we do score an extraordinary amount of late goals. But I didn't think we were going to get one this time because you were just so dominant. And and like you were saying, we, you know, dead, we, quite a few of our players were dead in their feet. So, you know, we saw both sides of Wickham today, the, the two ways we can play that, yeah, we, we can get the ball down and play. But in the, in the last kind of few sort of 10 minutes or so, uh, we reverted to the kind of the old sort of classic going direct, getting a bit more physical, playing for a set piece. And and and, and in, in the end, that's got us out of trouble. Brad, last but not least, you were first introduced to the last to give you a view on the game. Um, everyone seems relatively comfortable with the point, I suppose, in hindsight, that it probably was a fair result. But then again, the second half, the amount of chances we had. But, but how do you assess it, Brad? Yeah, um, like Johnny said, I think Wickham did edge at first half. Um, they, they played a lot different to, uh, to how I was expecting them to be honest. They, they got the ball down well, and they, they played did, a lot they? of the, they played a lot of football in our final third. Um, and then the second half was like a completely different. I mean, we could have had three in the first five minutes with Pritchard picking out Evans, and the, their keepers came out, yes, put a good challenge in, and then if. Uh, Gooch or Embleton had a first touch on them. Pritchard could have had three assists, um, and I, I, I did. I did feel a goal was coming, um, and then there was that unfortunate stoppage 
uh, for Corey Evans, and thank goodness he's okay. But I just thought that maybe he's took the sting out of it. It usually does when you're watching games. Um, but credit, we pressed on. Another good goal from Ross Stewart again, which I did think we'd won it. Um, but then it's just poor defending. And when you when you do look back at it, I mean, it, it is... It's hard straight away to accept that you've conceded in the 98th minute. Um, but when you reflect on the game as a whole, like you say, it was a good spectacle to watch. And a draw was fair. And I've always said, if you go away from home against the teams that are going to be top six to top eight and get a point and you win at home, win your home games, you're going to be in a good position. And I mean, we've taken four points off Wickham this season and they're going to be in and around us come, come the end. So on the whole, I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy with it, to be honest. Yeah, and I, th- I think... I think I said it before. I said it was. I felt it was two massive points dropping, and in the immediate aftermath, I really did. But I felt like a bit like that with Ipswich. If we win the next three, if we beat um, what Lincoln on Tuesday, if it's not called off for whatever reason, because anything can happen these days, weather, COVID, whatever you want. Um, and then the weekend after Zach written, and then I think it's Pompey. Win at least two out of those three and get a draw on the other one, and, and, and it's pretty decent. But but Jack, I'll, I'll come back to you. Um, I think the big talking point, especially from a Sunderland perspective before the game was the, the, the COVID cases. Obviously, I think, you know, some of us were aware which players were out in, in, in the long run. It was only really Diakou and, and Hoffman that was missing in terms of guaranteed starters. But the bench was like players who've been out on loan and, and young kids and a very, very young and experienced goalkeeper. I think the majority of people were thought, you know, yeah, go for it, play the game. That's what we want to do. I was very much in that camp, especially knowing the players that were, were due to be out. But do you think it was the right decision playing on in the aftermath and, and seeing what the score was? Yeah, I think so. Um, I know what you're saying. Some Sunderland fans would always say, play the strongest team. You know what I mean? Make sure that you've got your strongest team. Make sure that that's, you know, if you can't play your strongest team, then... Falling off, but I think with our form and momentum at the minute, you know, we haven't lost in a while. We seem to be playing well and getting results. So I'm a big believer of when you've got form and momentum, try and play as many games as you can. I understand the viewpoint that you know, play your strongest, and if you've if you haven't got your strongest team, to maybe wait a little bit until the back. But I think then you might end up in a situation that we're going to be in. You know what I mean? With quite a few games at hand, cup games and things like that. So I think it was the right decision that we played it, and uh, you know, with a bit more. A bit more luck today. We might have ended up with three points, and everyone would say it was a cracking decision. It's a bit disappointing that we didn't get the win, but I don't think you can blame the strength of the team. If, I mean, if we'd played a really weakened team and Wickham had beaten us two or three nil, then you could say it was a terrible decision. But I think it was a competitive enough game that we we did ourselves justice. Just a bit disappointing that we couldn't hang on for the win, but I think it was the right decision. Thing for me though, I agree with you. But if Frosty gets injured, I reckon we should just cancel the entire season. Like <laughs> if, right, Ross, uh, if yeah. he gets COVID, just definitely cancel it. All right. If anyone's listening, Sunderland. Um, I wanted to come on to obviously a, a few parts of the, uh, the the first half. Fantastic start of the the first half, Brad. For us, I, I'm going to give it to Ross Stewart, even though it went in off Stockdale's bollock. Um, the second one though, obviously Wickham came back and, and and got the first one. Fair enough. Took a deflection, probably deserved to be level at that point. Really impressed by uh, Mametti as well, if I'm, if I'm completely honest. It's someone I wouldn't mind just having a look at if he plays like that every week. Um, but the second one, I've obviously gone a bit mad about it on Twitter. I'm still a bit mad about it. But I, you had quite an interesting viewpoint on Twitter as well, Dave. Uh, not Dave, Brad even. Uh, there's too many people on this call. Um, 
there's a couple of shirts being tugged um, from our perspective, which, to be honest, I, I think is a penalty these days. But if we're talking about solely the goal going in, um, I think it was Hanlon that's backing into Patterson, holding onto his arm. For me, that should have never been given for a multitude of reasons. But but what are your thoughts on it, Brad? Am I being a little bit too biased? Or um, you've got to remember they get one chance to see it, and with and well, like I said, I commented on uh, the Twitter feed. There's about four or five things going on in there. There's Flanagan and one of their players. I don't know who it was. Flanagan's trying to assault them. Yeah, Doyle and. Uh, what's his face who scored Vokes yeah them two trying to swap shirts with each other Hanlon was backing into Patterson and Sirkin had his arm all over him and then like <laughs> the funny bit was Carl Winchester saying like he was just waving um, it's hard I-, I can sort of see why the officials didn't get it because there was that much going on if it goes to VAR anything could have happened the, the lad was technically offside because he is in pit he's interfering with play um, he is. He has got all the Patterson, but Flanagan had all of their player, which is before any of them incidents. So they might have even given a penalty. So I'm, I don't want to go into it with like a, a biased viewpoint and say yes, it should have been definitely disallowed. Um, if that was the, a, an incident that was isolated on its own, then yes, it definitely should not have been given. But yeah, they're not. They're not going to see that. At this level, especially without VAR, and we're talking about it now. Sky talked about it. It's been on social media. There's been about seven or eight different opinions, and we've all had nine, ten, eleven looks at it. So, uh, probably maybe should have been given as a foul or something in there. But my only my nah. only thought process was, and this is a very very biased red and white tinted glasses viewpoint, which is what you get on this show, believe it or not. Um, I think if he's offside, does then anything else that happened in the box become nullified? Or but you know what? My, my anger's not a Wickham. I've seen a lot of anger directed at Wickham. That's how Wickham play. That's fine. Oh well, not I'll come on to Wickham. I thought they played more than that, but Wickham are skilled in that art. But I think for me, it's just again, it's League One refs, isn't it? Alignsman. That was something yeah. every week. Like not just for us, but every club in it, and it drives me a bit batty, but 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 I did want to get a different viewpoint completely because I think everyone's heard the the Sunderland viewpoint. I think yours was very balanced, Brad, which is why I came to yourself. But but Johnny, from a Wiccan perspective, look, hey, you take anything you can get. I'm the same with Sunderland. If it comes down someone's backside and then they've thrown it in the back of the net with their fist, I'm not that bothered. But from a as balanced as you can be, which I know is hard, what was the Wiccan take on the second goal? Um, yeah, as Brad was saying, it, it was kind of carnage in the box and. My first thought when I saw it go in was, this is going to be disallowed. Um, and I didn't spot the offside. I was thinking for the challenge on the keeper. Um, having had the benefit of seeing a few replays, I'm not sure about the foul on the keeper. Um, I do think they they get a bit too much protection these days. But if that had been the other way around and a Sunderland player had done that and Stockdale, yeah, I probably would have complained about it. Um but I think the offside thing's a fair shout, certainly. But so I, yeah, I, I do think the goal, one way or other, should have been disallowed. There is also, then there is the point that's been made that um, your man's got Farino in a headlock. There's a shirt pull on 
Vokes. I mean, uh, um, was it Doyle, your number six? I think it was quite, yeah, it he doesn't was. even challenge, challenge for the ball. He's just, he's like waiting at a bus stop, just putting on his shirt. <laughs> um, so it's kind of six of one half dozen of the other that probably should have been disallowed, but then by the same token, probably should have had a penalty, although the penalty has to be scored in front of 2,000 Mackhams, who I'm sure would have been very quiet and just wait for him to take it. Um, <laughs> so, it, yeah, I, I was surprised it was given. And, I, I, yeah, I think some of fans have got a right to be pissed off about that because it, it the whole thing's a mess. The whole situation was a mess. And, and like Brad was saying, you've, you've got... We've seen replays and the referee only gets one go at it, but I, I, was, I was really surprised it was allowed to stand. Yeah, well, the way it just kind of like Vokes just nodded it in the net and it trickled in, I was like, what? But for, for me, the, the second and the third goal were very stereotypical, what people think Wickham are, but I've got to be totally honest, and I mentioned it before, I think it's, it's is it Mimidi? Um, and obviously, we're both, both kind of your, your wingers, your, your slash number 10s, because we're coming inside, actually really impressed me today. Um, I thought Brandon Hanlon had a really good game as well. I've got to be fair with him, Johnny. I actually thought he played really good football first half. I don't think he just hoofed it. I think you've got that ability, but it's a, a better Wickham than I've seen in the past. First half performances is, is what we're capable of. I think what we've seen though is when we, if we try and play more expansive, our defence isn't strong enough to cover. Um, mm. and, that, and at the end of the day, that's, that's why we often do play the way we do because that's what, is effective and that's what will get us results and if you go attacking you, you take them you take a risk yeah i mean there was point second half i think where we really cut you open and maybe you look at the goals and you say well our goals came from the kind of long punts into the in the box so you could say that was more effective but i, I was impressed by by wickham i really really was um in comparison to maybe what i've seen in the past but but dave i'm going to come to you with this one because i've got you because, um, of course, Dave, this is the question that's tailor-made for yourself. Ross Stewart is absolutely lovely. Um, I just love him. I, I thought, for me, that's a hat-rick today. I don't care. That's a second hat-rick in two games for me, at least five and two. His hold-up play, his ability off the ball, just everything about him, the way he runs channels, the way he plays people in. Are you a little bit worried that Ross Stewart is going to get noticed sooner rather than later because he's playing outstanding? How good is he? Mate, I'm just reveling in the glory that after the Plymouth game last season, I said he was amazing. And that was like after seeing him for three games, four games. So I, I love him. And I tell you what, I, I'd call... My old man sits there and he like obviously knows that I do a few podcasts here and there. And literally, so Embleton did very well for his first slash second goal. Uh, the equaliser to make a 2-2. And I said, before that ball even came in, it was like, watch his movement. His movement is impeccable. He is such a good centre-forward. And he, he's got everything. He's literally got everything because he can play on the last man. He can play in the six-yard box. He chases down lost causes. I tell you what, he, he, he doesn't want to go anywhere. Un, unless, like, unless someone ridiculous came in from which isn't going to happen he's he's not going anywhere he gets it he knows what this football club's all about and he knows how big a chance he's got to to go and progress and i'm sure i just read something before that ainsworth said he's going to go on to huge huge things i think was his exact quote he did, and yeah. I, I don't disagree with him he's he looks phenomenal to be fair at the minute very it's good the, it's not the first time i've said it but shut up gareth um <laughs> 
Leaving, leaving, leaving Frosty shite, no one wants him. Um, Jack, I, I'm going to go maybe two good, uh, one bad, one good, one bad, sorry. Tom Flanagan has been really good this season, Jack, right? I really love Flannel. I thought he got absolutely tortured today and was absolutely rotten. Um, it was probably the reason why our defence looked so shaky. What what was it with Flannel today? What did he make his performance? I don't know. I just think he was a bit off, wasn't he? He never... Um... Mm. He made a couple of misjudgments. He misjudged one where he was trying to see out, which cost us a chance, which Wickham could have scored. Um, he then misjudged another one where the lad kind of nudged him off the ball and got a chance, and I think he got away with it. So, yeah, it just wasn't, wasn't great today. I think he couldn't get that with Flanagan, though. He, he's not, I, I wouldn't really say, he has played very, very well this season and been a lot better, but he's not someone who's really a top-level defender at this league. I think he is a League One-level defender. I'm not blaming him for, you know, it's not going up in the last few seasons, but I think... You know, he, he is what he is. He is someone that, you know, is has been fairly solid, but you are going to get the odd game where he is a little bit dodgy. And I think, unfortunately, that was today. But hopefully it's an exception to the rule rather than the rule. You know what I mean? He has been pretty solid. I've never really been a huge fan of him, but he's been much improved this season. Uh, even popped up with some goals, hasn't he? With, uh, you know, in the opposition box with a few headers and important uh, important um, chances at the other end. So, yeah, hopefully it's just a bit of an off day, but he wasn't great today, I agree. Yeah, I thought I thought every time I've seen Brandon Hanlon and I've spoke obviously at length to Gillingham fans and Bristol Rovers fans in the past and they all go, oh, I blow top and cold. But every time I see Brandon Hanlon, he seems to give one of our defenders a, a torrid time. And I don't know if we just struggle against just big, strong centre forwards like that. And But again, I said Hanlon was impressive for me and I think Flannel got done quite a bit today. A couple, a couple of times throughout the game on different occasions, Flung himself in front of the ball and put a few decent blocks in, um, which were shots on target. And you don't know where they're going to end up, but yeah, it was wasn't the best day for Flamingham, was it? I felt like the nervousness. Some some people have said it was Patterson who I said in the aftermath of the game. I thought he was poor. Actually, I watched the game back and I think he was as poor as I thought he was. I'm going to take that back. I, I thought the nervousness came from Flannel getting done quite a few times. Um, and Do you know, I, I think you know Doyle. I think it is Flanagan. With Flanagan, I think he's very guilty at times, especially in tight games, of playing the occasion. Mm. He lets his head get away from him too much and he forgets that he's a professional footballer and needs to do the basics right. I mean, what was the one Was it the one first half where he's done the hard bit by making up the ground and coming across the, the Wickham centre-forward and then literally, literally, he forgets to take the ball, the stupid idiot. He literally runs past it and like he's done the hard work because he, he he must have given the centre forward two or three yards head start. Yeah, he he gets to the ball before it, and I'm like, right, just play it simple, knock it out for a throw in, come back to the keeper, whatever you're doing. And the stupid idiot's like Bambi on ice and runs past the ball. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> Look, I, I, I really, really like Tom Flanagan. Like I really do. I love him. But to put today I felt like it was the Flanagan I didn't like in the first season, like against Coventry, sorry to bring that game up. Um, but I said I was going to do one bad, one good, and, and or one really good, one excellent. Don't want to labour on any, any negatives. It seems that there's very few negatives here at the moment. Um, Jacobson got man of the match. For me, there was only one man on the pitch that was head and shoulders above everyone else, and I'm not going to say Ross Stewart, believe it or not. Alex Pritchard, Brad, just that bloke's hit a level of form that we're seeing what he's probably... 
been signed for 12 million for. How important is it that Pritchard A keeps up that form, B, that we keep him fit to the end of the season? It's massive, mate. Um in recent weeks he he's like in previous seasons we've always said McGee's like a cheat code for this division. Mm-hmm. At the minute, that's what Pritchard is. He he is playing in a in a league which is well below his when he's playing well below his like standard. Um I touched on it saying we came out second half. He could have had three assists in the first five minutes. The, his vision is unbelievable. Um, he, he just sees things before anyone else can see it. Um, I mean, the, the, the big one for me was um, the one the pick out for Embutton because he was actually not even looking at him. He's had, well, he, he's, he's spotted him before the ball's got to him and he's going away from the, away from the goal towards the touchline. And he's just whipped it back towards him. And if Embleton's sec- uh, first touch is better, we score there. That, that's where we're talking about that goal for the rest of the season because it's just, I, I just love it. I love Alex Pritchard. What I don't love about it is sometimes we, we lump in long balls to him. <laughs> and he is trying to jump and win it in the air, bless him. But he's like five foot two. So when we play to his strengths, I don't think there's anyone in this league that's close to as, as technically good as Pritchard. Um, if he gets injured I think we are fucked especially at this moment in time see what without you see. anything else <laughs> with anyone else to, <laughs> without anyone else to immediately come in and replace him um, I, I do think we are really really fucked if he gets injured um, he, he just the way he, he, he either retains the ball for us and brings other players into play or he gets us on the front foot it's, if he's playing well, it seems like we were talking about Dan Neal being that type of player earlier this season. If Neal's playing well, the rest of the team are sort of like, they've clicked with him. At the minute, I think it's Pritchard that's the driving force. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I love that. I love, the, I, I love Pritchard as much as Dave loves Ross Stewart. It's really nice to have, like, like today it was gutting, but I suppose in the aftermath, it felt like a good game and it was players that you like, I can see how we're playing and I kind of believe, turn around, everyone's listened Everyone who does listen to the show will know I was very much on the fence not too long ago. Um, or, well, actually, I was off the fence. I was pretty much Johnson out. Um, I was totally wrong with that. I admit that a few weeks ago. I'm loving the way we're playing at the minute. But um, I love the way that Pritchard can play with both feet and then so can Elliot Embleton. It, it just has other defenders second-guessing themselves. Like I was expecting a lot of Wickham's defenders to just take our players out, which they tend to do. And I don't mean in a dirty way. I mean, just be physical and, and stronger than like the likes of Pritchard and Embleton. They were small and slight. But because though Kate will go either way, you've you seen at times their defenders were thinking, shit, I, I'm not quite sure what to do here at this point. Going forward, I've got no complaints on something at the minute. We, we look phenomenal. It's maybe going backwards where is the issue if we're going to have a negative, which which brings you on to the, the question I want to ask you, Jack, before we head for a little break. January is ahead. We've got a lot of injuries. We've got the COVID situation. We're still looking decent. We brought in Trey Hume. Obviously, wasn't involved today. Where do you think, based on today's game or based on the past few weeks, Sunderland could and, and, and should strengthen? I think we're we're definitely missing a little bit of athleticism in the middle of the park, um, a little bit of strong phys- strong physical player in the middle because today what I noticed and I've noticed quite a lot in, in League One 
other teams seem to be better at kind of using the body in order to get possession, if that makes sense. So the ball will drop down from, say, 50-50 or a poor pass, as we get many at this level from us and the opposition. And the other team seem to be more adaptive, kind of using the body, physically gaining possession and then building from there. And I think first half, Wickham, that's how Wickham were on top. They seem to be doing that a lot physically dominating us and then getting possession and getting chances from there. Second half, we were better at it. We, we seem to get a bit, you know, win the physical battles more and gain possession that way. And I think we are, in terms of technical ability, we're probably going to be able to outplay most teams at this level. But I still think we're a bit physically short, particularly in the middle. So I'd like a big athletic centre midfielder, someone who can, I mean, not just a big physical lump. I mean, someone that can play a little bit as well, but certainly a little bit of strength in the middle. Uh, I, th- I still think we need a backup striker as well. We've all touched on Ross Stewart, how good he is. I mean, heaven forbid anything gets injured, like you say, we might as well just pack the season in now. So I, I do still think we need... It'd be nice to get a little bit of a different option up front. We know all about Ross Stewart and how good he is, but can we get another option? Maybe someone a bit more like a broadhead, someone smaller and quicker maybe, that can maybe a bit more of a poacher. I don't know, but those are the two areas. Possibly, if I'm being greedy, uh, another defender as well. But certainly centre mid and back up straight will be the two I would look for above all. Excellent. We're going to jump in a, a wee little break there and come back and, and just finish off the last sort of five, ten minutes of the pod. Catch us in a bit. Welcome back to the second part. Um, Jack, you were you were chatting before about the people that I bring in. You'd like someone who's athletic, shall we say, in the middle. Um, I kind of I kind of agree with that. Um, I'm going to go to to Loch Ness Dave with this um, for the the same question, mate. Where do you like to see your strength and based on today's game in the past few weeks? Yeah, I think it's uh, I, th- I think Jack pretty much hit the nail on the head. To be fair, another centre forward would be good. I don't know if N'Golo Kante is kicking about, whether he fancies a couple of games. Do you know me? I uh, see why not. I think he'd be, <laughs> well, he'd be the perfect midfielder, I think. Or, tell you what, we, we've had some midfielders who probably do a good... No, no. Keep forgetting it's the wrong podcast. It's not our uh, cult 11 in it this time. Um, but, yeah, a big athletic centre midfielder. I'm just, I don't know who... I don't know who's out there, really. Um, Max Power. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, and a, I think a big, strong, powerful centre-half as well, to be honest. I just think the spine of that team, if it can be, especially in games like that today against the likes of Wickham, it, it would be nice to just have a little bit more depth and call upon people. Um so, yeah, I think one of each for me. Centre-half, centre-midfielder, centre-forward. I think I'd be quite happy with that for the rest of the season. Yeah, same. Me as well. Dave, I'm, uh, Dave, Brad, I'm getting names mixed up. Jeez, I've got to have stop having this many people on. Brad, I'll, I'll come to you with the same exact question. Um, I, I kind of agree with the lads for what it's worth. I'd like a, a centre-half coming in. I feel horrendous on Callum Doyle and, and Flano because I like them both and they both had great seasons. But I'd just like someone to come in so we can have a bit of competition there as well. Because for me, Bailey Wright is, is now a right-back. Where would you like to see players brought in? Uh, yeah, just the same, really. Straight up the spine. Uh, centre-half. Um, I, I think Alves will go back, to, to be honest. So if we can bring a, a centre-half, 
Um, I mean, I was quite confident with the with Wright, uh, Flanagan and Doyle in recent weeks. And I think Wright was a big miss today, so it does show that we do need a little bit more cover in there. Um, yeah, another centre midfielder. Wouldn't go amiss. Uh, we don't get a centre midfielder. It's not the end of the world. And we're looking at, I think, Roberts is looking to be coming in, isn't he? Um, that just seems to be taking a little bit longer. Um, I did hear there's been a big COVID outbreak amongst the team he's on loan at. don't know if that's got anything to do with it. Um, I think there was 12 or 13 players. At, there's a twice at Troy's, Troy's. Yeah, I'm not French, so I apologise to any French listeners if I'm saying that wrong. <laughs> uh, Where was yeah. Eric Eric Ra from that? Eric Ra from Troy. Yeah. <laughs> I only I only remember Troy because they knocked Newcastle out of Champions League qualifying about 2000, 2001. No man, that was Cambridge, wasn't ago. it? Was that not Cambridge? No, that's Cambridge. Cambridge. <laughs> yeah. I think you'll find that. Cambridge. I'm glad you've touched on that. <laughs> Cambridge have beaten as many Premier League sides this season as Newcastle have. That's fantastic. Um, <laughs> obsessed, he's always obsessed. Uh, Richest nah. club in the oh. world that got beaten by a university. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> roll, roll, roll <laughs> your boat gently down the stream. Um, um, yeah, I'm, I think if we get Roberts in, um, centre midfielder, yes, that w- it would be nice. If it doesn't happen, I think we do have people who can slot in there if we need to. Um and like you say, another centre-half, and I'd be more than happy with what we've got there. Um, I just wanted to ask uh, Johnny a question, if I don't mind, Graham. Yeah, I do. Car- <laughs> oh, sorry. Carry on. <laughs> um, Johnny, what's your opinion on Wickham's Twitter and the car park gate? Oh, how did I forget that? <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's a... I'm not entirely sure what, what went on. There's, um, I think it... Supposedly, it was supposed to be just to let people know that the car park was full. Don't drive. I don't know how many of you have been to Adams Park before, but if you park there, you, that's you done. Like you may as well buy a house because you're not getting out of there for about two or three hours after the game. Um, yeah, so um, there, some people were saying it's just to let people know it was full. Don't try and buy tickets. I, I don't know. I, um, it was a bit weird. Wickham's got a, a weird, funny. But- a funny Twitter though, Johnny, don't they? They had that. What was it they had the other week? Our that, house thing. Well, the our house thing, fair enough. I can kind of take that, fair enough. You <laughs> want to make your place a focus and that kind of thing. But I don't know if like the the guy who's actually running Wickham's Twitter has pulled a blinder because first and foremost, by the way, as Frankie said and pointed out, it's not a car park, it's a field. Um, it's vastly different. The car park is very different, boys and girls. Um, but he tweeted, I think it was last week. I say he, I mean Wickham, but he was obviously controlling it. Um, and he tweeted about how many fans had been in the, the grounds in the past three games, but it was like mainly away games. And he was like, over a million people have watched, I can't remember the number, of, or 60,000 people have watched Wickham games. And he's like, thanks to the 837 Wickham fans who've watched it as well. It, is it a thing Wickham do just to kind of drive a weird level of engagement? Uh, I mean, it may well be. I mean, I know I know the media guy Wickham and he's, he's a, He's a great guy and he's he's clever and I, I think he he is quite into his kind of like um, he's always pushing new media stuff and and it's quite nice that we I mean I, I can remember sort of ten years ago like our media department was kind of basically we had a website and that was about it so it is kind of nice that uh, we've got someone who's you know always looking to kind of uh, get the club um, you know 
trending on Twitter and stuff. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't come off. Um, but it is kind of exciting for Wickham fans that we are kind of playing these games where there are big attendances because, you know, for most of our history, we're a non-league team and most of our football league's history, football league history has been as a, uh, you know, been in the bottom division. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if that he's coming from that, from that angle that it's just, you know, we used to play in front of one man and his dog and now look at us. But yeah, it, it, that kind of thing does get jumped over by opposition fans, especially, you know, the, the well-supported teams in this division. He used it to the advantage. He put on another tweet about the car park being full he, and it was something, now I've got your attention and he put it toward the prostate cancelling, which I thought was a good touch. Oh, um, good. He, he has played that quite well, actually, because it, it did gather a lot of attention, not just from Sunderland fans. I think EFL had tweeted them at one point and Specsavers had tweeted them back. So it, it actually did work quite well when he's trying to advertise and push towards the, the prostate cancelling. Uh, that, that you that's what uh, I was thinking and, and that's kind of why I fired the, the question of Johnny uh, it is funny and it is proper tin pot no offence Johnny it's like when you see the solar car park thing you kind of go for fuck's sake but then I kind of thought of it from a media perspective and I thought is he a genius or is he not a genius I couldn't quite tell but um, I wanted to ask Johnny a question as well if that's alright Brad uh, well you let me so I'll let you and it go is your then. show <laughs> go on then um, <laughs> something I always like asking on the preview pod um, and probably even more so in the, the review pod is the thoughts on Sunderland as a team. Now, yeah, there was some pretty poor defending from us today, but up front, that was, as we've looked the past few weeks, which is probably the best all season. Ainsworth came out today and spoke about um, Ross Stewart. I haven't got the exact quote, but he, he basically put a lot of praise on him and, and understandably so. But Sunderland as a team, when you're watching the game today from a, a perspective of, uh, Wickham, do we look better than we have done previously? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, it, it's a little bit tough when you when you have a player that has such a standout performance as, as Stuart did because it kind of almost like takes attention, takes the focus off the other players. But, um, you know, like you were saying earlier, look look really good going forward. Every time you went forward, you looked really dangerous. The way um, you're playing the ball in behind the defence was really spot on. And I think if you can just kind of Tighten up at the back a little bit, maybe. I was saying earlier that, um, I mean, in a previous show, that you you have now got that kind of more physical edge that I think you need to have in this division. I think, he, you know, based on today, maybe even a little bit more, like if you're looking to bring people in in January, maybe. Well, as someone was saying earlier, you know, a bit more athleticism in central midfield and, and maybe someone with a bit, you know, muscle to them as well. Um, but, um, I mean, yeah, that... That was a great performance from Sunderland. And if Stuart hadn't been on the pitch, I think you still got players who w- would have got on the end of those chances and, and put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, I think I've seen someone mention that the missed chances today, for me, when you score three goals, you can't really complain about missed chances for me. I know Ross Stewart got basically all of them. But um, yeah, I, I, it did, I mean, Embleton's, I hit the ball, never know how that didn't go in. But nonetheless, um, final question I'm going to throw at, at you, Dave. And then we'll go into the standard question, which we always ask um, every guest. Bailey Wright, obviously, I'd heard a few weeks back um, after the Sheffield Wednesday game, he, he came out of the stadium light with his arm in a sling. Nothing was mentioned about it, so I figured maybe it was just precautionary. He's fine. And then he hasn't shown up today in the lineup. The club have confirmed it isn't COVID. Um, arm in a sling doesn't sound great because it sounds like maybe something worse 
than it is. And you obviously throw back to the, the Luke 9 injury and, and the problems he had with it. At the moment, we don't know how long Billy Wright's out for. I really was not a big fan of him. I think he's been tremendous and I love eating my words about stuff like that. I think he's been terrific and I think he would have been a big advantage today, especially with those balls coming in the box. How big of a miss will Bailey Wright be if he's out for a considerable amount of time, Dave? Yeah, definitely, because he's the he's the one who is the big, strong, experienced centre-half in the group, really. Um, so, yeah, and he's... Flanagan's a bit more athletic. He's a bit more slender than Bailey Wright is. Uh, and to be honest, which is weird, really, because half of my problem with Bailey Wright has been the fact that he... He hasn't been putting himself in and about there, whether he's been like kind of hiding in a bit of an injury and not putting himself in dangerous situations is could beg the question, I suppose. So, yeah, I, I think that could well become really important, getting another centre-half and a, a big, strong centre-half at that. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully someone respectable, hopefully, like, I probably wouldn't even be adverse to going against our new model of how we sign players and like an experienced centre-half on loan just for a couple of months of the season. Do you know what I mean? Three, four months just to get us through. Um, even if it was just someone to have in and around the dressing room at certain times, um, as opposed to getting a 18, a 23-year-old and like letting them grow with us. So, yeah, that'd be... Uh, that would be nice for me. I'm trying to think of when I'm saying get someone experienced and whatever. Who was the Johnny, Johnny please, Evans? Please. Yeah. Well, yeah, that would be nice. But like <laughs> when I say someone experienced, I don't want like a Joel Lynch. I was trying to think of his name for about five minutes there. Oh, God. But uh, yeah, I'm, we're just light, aren't we? In certain little areas, if we get one more injury, it's just a bit of a nightmare. Someone like Roberts coming in will be flexible because he can play across all all four or five positions across the front five. So that would be good. But yeah, some kind of utility. I wonder what Darren Williams is up to. What, Nyron? Nyron. I mean, I'd have Nyron at any point. I always have Nyron. Nyron, you're always welcome if you're listening, which you're not. Um, final question as always, and, I, and I'll throw this question to you first, Brad. It's the same thing we always end our review show on now. What does the 3-3 draw with Wickham mean in the context of Sunderland's season? I'm going to give you the same boring answer after a draw. It's very good, like I said at the start, when you take a point away from home, if you go and follow that up with a win at your next home game, and that looks like a very good point away then. If we go now and draw, or God forbid get beat off Lincoln because they are shite. Um, today's last-minute conceding is even worse. Then then I'm sort of like, oh, shit. I was in the same boat as you a few, few couple months ago about Johnson. I mean, you were very vocal about it. I love being proved wrong and I hope to God we don't go back on that slump. We're 10 months beaten and a draw for me, as long as you follow up with a win, is good enough. As long as you follow up. So ask me again Tuesday. Well, we don't do reviews Tuesday, so ask me again next weekend, mate, and I'll tell you if it was a good point or not. I think it's a good way to put it. For what it's worth, I normally give my thoughts, but I'm just going to echo Brad because I'm pretty much on the money with that. Dave, I'll come to you next. Same question. Context of the season, what does that mean? I'm going to, I'm going to be different and not be the boring bastard that I normally are and say that like, 
for once, it's not because we will win Tuesday night, and I'm putting it out there. Oh, fuck's sake. Yeah, I'm, I'm calling it, mate. It's 4-1 Sunderland. Chris so McQuaid, 86-minute, 1-0. We'll have put four past them by then. We'll, in fact, I tell you what, Ross Stewart's that good. We'll have put four past them, and Ross Stewart will have scored five. Work that out. No, I genuinely think it will be a good point based on the fact that I think we will comfortably win on Tuesday night. I normally say it's not as good as anything, but I'm really, really confident that we'll win on Tuesday night. So, yeah, that sticks to the two points per game ratio and onwards and upwards. Johnny, I'll come at you next from a different viewpoint. Obviously, same question, but from a Wigan perspective, what does the result today mean in the context of the season for Wigan? Um, I think it should give us a little bit of a boost. Um, Our record against... The top 10, certainly the current top 10 as it stands, is shocking. Like, apart from Plymouth, we haven't beaten anyone in the top 10. Um, the fact that we're still third, oh, granted, we've played a, a few more games than some of the chasing pack, but the fact we're still third after a couple of months where we've been really patchy, even, you know, the games we've won, we've kind of flattered to deceive a bit. To still be third after that, I think, highlights the inconsistency of this division. But it's a really good sign for us. I, I think, you know, we're on course to comfortably finish in the playoffs. I don't think we'd necessarily win the playoffs, but I think we will finish in the top six. For what it's worth, I think I think Sunderland are going to finish in the top two. I hope so, because I don't have to play you again. Um, Snap. No offence. <laughs> Jack, you get the final word, mate. Much like Jerry Springer. Um in the context of the season, what does Wickham Wanderers 3, Sunderland 3 mean? Um, yeah, I think just to touch on what the lads have said, I think um, a point away from home at Wickham, it's not too bad of a result. I think if we'd, uh, if we'd won today, it would have been lovely. We took the lead twice and to be so close would have been an excellent win, but a point's never a bad result at Wickham against a team away from home that are nearby yeah. And I always look at it as a points tally thing. I think if you can keep up the two points a game, which we're on at the minute, uh, that's what we're on fifty from twenty-five. If if you um, if you give that over the course of the season, that's going to give you ninety-two at the end of the season. Maybe nudge it up to ninety-three or ninety-four. I think if we get that and don't go up, we'll be pretty unlucky. So I think if we can keep up the two points a game, you know we're doing all right. And with that, I'll take myself off mute. And thank you very much for for uh, joining me, everyone. Dave, thanks very much for joining me. Jack, Johnny, Brad, thanks very much. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, guys. Well done, Cambridge. Well done, Sunderland. Well done, Ross Stewart. Please subscribe if you fancy it.